Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Footy Prime, the podcast, presents the Weekend Wrap Show with Brendan Dunlop, James Sharman, and Craig Forrest. Hello, hello. We're back because we do shows almost daily now on Footy Prime. The Premier League took a break this weekend for the magic of the FA Cup. Toronto FC make the Lorenzo Insigne signing officiale. The African Cup of Nations has kicked off. And even the most optimistic optimists would probably hesitate to bet your money that the tournament will finish as scheduled on February 6th. But luckily, the weekend recap show is well underway. I'm Brendan Dunlop, joined by Canadian goalkeeping legend Craig Forrest and the host of Footy Prime, full-time, James Sharman. What's up, boys? I am no longer a guest. Oh, you've been, <laughs> pro- you've been promoted. from. I've from been promoted the for the Sunday night show. I like it. Nice one. Yeah. Uh, and since, uh, since you feel like trash this weekend, I thought it would be a, you know, a nice gift to start this show by showing you the respect that I, I do truly have for you. Thank you, B. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we are doing this show uh, virtually from the comforts of uh, quarantine. Um, several of us, as, as COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on the Footy Prime family, we, we knew it was going to eventually, right? It was going to happen at some point. We're all getting it at some point, boys. So allow me to just uh, you know dip my toe into the COVID pool to start things off and let you know how it is. So far, it's a piece of cake. So mm-hmm. you'll be fine. <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've tested negative uh, three weeks, uh, three times, excuse me, in the last but two and a half weeks. Uh, but my wife has just uh, recently tested positive, and uh, PCR is gold. So, uh, so that must mean that uh, that we've it. had it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You, so. you had a cold, didn't you, as well last week? I did. Yeah, we both did. We both did, and and have residual symptoms. You've had COVID. Yeah, as as You've you might probably hear in my congestion nose. But uh, thought we thought we've been past it, but no, it's uh, it's like uh, like insigne officiale. So this is the life. It does piss me off, though. It does piss me off because my wife got it first, right? And I thought, oh, you know what? I've been a few days, you know, with nothing. I thought, mm. my, my immune system is freaking amazing. You know, <laughs> I was like bragging and everything. And she goes, just wait, just, just, just wait. Don't brag. <laughs> and then boom, last night and this morning. Here we go. <laughs> I could totally see that. You're just cocky walking around with your N95 mask in the house. <laughs> I can do anything. Yeah. Stay away. The great excuse to stay away from the wife, though, isn't it? I also thought you might have said that too. Like, you know, what what films have you been watching? What uh, what what did you get up to in, in quarantine as you separate amongst the five floors of your Pickering Palace? My palatial, yeah. Well, listen, as, as luck would have it, the uh, the the Masters snooker started today, so it allows me to watch it in peace without being moaned at in my basement because no one wants to be anywhere near me. So it's like, all right, watched a lot of snooker and watched a little bit of FA Cup. So uh, yeah, overall. 
I'm really enjoying the COVID break. There you go. Just as luck, eh, Craiger? The the World Cup of Snooker, the uh, this big event of, of is on for him to entertain. No, it's only the well. Masters. Yeah, yeah. I, I realize. I, I pulled it back. <laughs> the FA Cup is uh, is not you know Premier League excitement for a lot of people, but there there is a lot of magic there. Uh, we'll run through a bunch of these games, boys. You can you can raise your hand or get really excited if you've got a lot more to add. Um, but I figured we'd start with uh, Liverpool four, Shrewsbury one. Because I like Shrewsbury. My dad's best friends are from there. I've spent some time there. And I hate that uh, Poshy Sharms calls it Shrewsbury, like the other people <laughs> from the South. We, You know what? It's funny. Over the years, B, you and I have had more, more conversations about the pronunciation of Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury than, than any other topic in the game. Yeah. More than Ronaldo, <laughs> Messi, more than Pele, more than Maradona, more than Cat. It's always about Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury. So it is, it is correct. It is Shrewsbury, correct? Yes. The Shrews. Because I always call them Shrewsbury. There are even some people in Shrewsbury. I, I've heard people call it Shrewsbury, but I think that they're just, yeah, they're, they're trying to be liked by those abroad down south in that landing. Or private school kids. Well, for a, for a, for a few minutes, for a few minutes there, uh, they, the Shrews were living in, in dreamland. This, this magical land. Dreamland, yeah, exactly. Going up 1 0 uh, against, what was it, Liverpool D? D team? It wasn't B or C. When you think D team. When you've got uh, Fabinho and Firmino in, in the squad, is it D? It, it was, Van Dyke. <laughs> it was a C plus. I would say Liverpool C plus. There's a lot of kids who I hadn't even heard of. Yeah. You know, and, and I have an idea of, of most of the prospects coming through. Not most of them, some of them. Some of the guys I, I know for fans of this team, they, they watch and they stream wherever they can. They know every depth level of this club. I don't know half these guys. But they they turned on when they had to, and in the end, it was a one sided affair, as most of the FA Cup matches were, mm-hmm. most of them. But most of the Premier League teams got a bit of a scare as well, which is I think good to see as well. It's always good to see a scare and and a couple of big results. Nottingham uh, taking out Arsenal was uh, something they did a few years ago. I think in two thousand eighteen they beat Arsenal, and I think that's the only time Arsenal in the last twenty five years have been knocked out of that round. So very rare for that club. But thoroughly deserved. Yeah. And uh, Canadian Richie Larea uh, was there in the audience watching it. So he must be pretty excited about what he saw because it doesn't get much bigger than that. Because Nottingham playing against the big boys has been been a few years. So mm-hmm. the fans would have really enjoyed that. We'll talk about Richie's move. I've, I've built this to uh, to get to a little uh, silly season segment and, and talk about some, some of the big transfers. So we'll definitely get to Richie. But on Arsenal, um, Arteta fielded a strong team here. Uh, to go to Forest and they, and they lose 1-0. Rob Holding was started next to Ben White, center back. Martinelli, Odegaard, and, and Saka played behind Nketiah in a in a 4-2-3-1. And then the, the big Twitter story was uh, Nuno Tavares being subbed off in the 34th minute because he was trash. And he wasn't happy and he, he threw his gloves off, which is always a sign that he's probably going to get moved this window, right? Gregor? <laughs> well, either that or dropped. Hey, but listen, Craig, when you're subbed off in the 34th minute, right? I don't care who you are. Right, you you can't be happy. So throw your gloves down is the least I would expect from a player. Right, you shouldn't be happy. You should be pissed off with yourself. You should be pissed off with the manager. Yeah, you should be pissed off with the world. Right. So you know, I know the Twitter sphere is going nuts about you know this this malcontent, you know, and Tavares. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like he shouldn't be happy. He played like crap, and that's the reaction I want to see. Some guy that just sit, takes his seat quietly after that. I, I wouldn't. I'd be even more perturbed by. But the manager's reaction is probably going to be, why didn't you show that much energy and passion when you're on the field for the first 34 freaking minutes or I wouldn't have pulled right. you off? 
Right. Yeah. So I don't mind seeing a reaction. I don't want to mind seeing people upset, but I don't see throwing your gloves and, you know, that that's going to do any good to himself or the manager or the club or the team's performance. I mean, managers use matches like this to get some rotation in the squad, see what, kind of what else is there, push these players, I'm sure. And if, you know, Tavares has, has played okay and he started to get more minutes, but he may be a guy that feels as though he deserves more minutes or or feels as though it's a, almost a bit of a, a slight that the manager trusts him, you know, in a match against a, a championship side and maybe not in a, a bigger European match. So could be a bit of that, do you think? Well, you know what? What has he proven, though? How can he? Perhaps. I'm not sure the ins and outs of what's going on in that dressing room and their relationship, yeah. so we don't really know. I think some of these guys will have to just sometimes give themselves a shake and open their eyes and see where exactly they are. I'm playing for Arsenal, mm-hmm. right? I'm playing week in and week out at, at you know um, one of the greatest football stadiums in, in the world against the best teams in the world, and it hasn't worked out for me just yet, but I've got to just put my, my, my head down and just kind of muscle through this right now. Don't get all whiny and pathetic. You're playing for Arsenal Football Club, and who are you? You're nobody. You're an absolute nobody. Where's he from? Don't even know where he's from. Where's he from, B? You know, Tavares is Portuguese. Yeah, that's what I assumed he was. See? <laughs> See? He's whiny like you are. So he doesn't doesn't respect it. He, sh- he should respect it as much as the Portuguese respect Braga, who are the, uh, the Ar- <laughs> Arsenalistas, right? Show it, yeah, respect. I guess they are. They won the championship. Where did they win, Braga? When did they win? Yeah, well, they they won the. What year was that? You're thinking of that. Uh, you may be thinking of where they went to the Europa League final. Was that what it was? And they spoiled what would have been a Porto Benfica final uh, in Dublin, in Dublin, Dublin, uh, and Braga Braga had beaten Benfica in the one semi, and then Falcao and Porto ran through Braga in the final in Dublin. So, but they haven't they haven't won the they, Super League for a long time. They've not won no the league. Are you sure. I you're Sporting Lisbon won last year. Are you confusing Sporting Braga with Sporting no, Lisbon? No, 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 definitely Braga. You could be right. I'm just thinking of the, that 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 cup run. You know, just when um, I thought this show was was a weekend recap show, we were keeping it in the present. Uh, here we go again <laughs> down the Google Street. Uh, Liga Notch winners <laughs> to test my history over the last little bit. I'm gonna find uh, out. Right now, the fourth in the in the. You know, you watch a lot of Portuguese football. I'll tell you, uh, I've watched a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I, I'd certainly watch. More than uh, than you guys get to because I'm a I'm a loser, a geek when it comes to a lot of football that's available. Hey, Braga were runners up in 2010. That's what you were thinking of. That, so, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, they came close. Also, around the same time that they would have gone to that final, I think that was 2011. That final, Falcao and Porto. Oh, was it okay? The golden years, the golden generation. I must have been right. He's at Rio Vallecano now, Falcao, and they they went to uh, Atletico Madrid. I think midweek, and he got a massive standing ovation. Uh, he was Is uh, he really eh? subbed in and. Got big, big reaction. Yeah, we should do a uh, a show at some point. Just no, uh, naming players who we're surprised are still playing. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you've said that because I've actually written that uh, a bit later. So, do you want to jump to uh, Carpentry One, Derby County, uh, Nil? That's the, 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 the... <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you, you're the host, pal. Here you do what go. you want. The administration, Derby. Okay, uh, because uh, Derby County are in a, a real mess. They've, they've actually played quite well. Rooney's had them playing very well. But if you look at who he's got available, I don't know how many times you look at their starting 11, but against Coventry in this 1-0 loss, Rooney started Phil Jagielka next to Curtis Davies at center back. No way. That's a good center back partnership. Ravel Morrison was in the side. And yeah, okay. Colin Kazim Richards. Remember him? Yeah, I do. Turkey's best. Chef United, Blackburn. Yeah, 37 caps for Turkey. He played for both Fenerbahce and Galatasaray. England let him get away. 
Wow, that's not that's some big names there. Curtis Davis was supposed to be the next big thing for Villa, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Time. yeah. And he had a good yeah. he had a good run, but um, like far too many Villa products. I, I can't remember if he was an academy product Villa, but he was quite young and just uh, twenty four comes around and not been able to secure a starting place or regular place, and he gets moved on. I I interviewed I interviewed interviewed Phil Jagielka once uh, in England. Really great guy, and. Um, my first question was, I, I apologize on behalf of all Canadian football commentators for mispronouncing his name. Said, How do you pronounce your name? And he goes, it's a, f- a properly pronounced Phil Yagelka. So did you start? Yeah, silent, silent J. So I always called him Phil Yagelka after that, not Jagielka. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd always called him Jagielka prior to that, but it's Phil Yagielka. So all of Canada thinks, oh my God, Sharman doesn't even know the names here. He's calling Jagielka Yagielka. I think they're so used to me mispronouncing names, it's not a big deal to them. You are much better at introducing the Canadian audience to proper pronunciations than you give yourself credit for, buddy. Uh, cricket went, maybe, not so much. There's other English so words football. that you can't get right repeatedly, but when it comes to yeah. names, you're pretty good with that. <laughs> uh, well, here and there. This might be the longest we've ever spoken about Derby County uh, because there's a two-part to this. Mike Ashley wants to buy them. Jason Gibbons tweeted us wanting to hear our take on this. Uh, I mentioned the club has been in administration. They have been since September. The administrators are looking to sell the team for $50 million. You might remember Mike Ashley recently sold Newcastle to the Saudis for $305 million. So money's not an option here for, for Mike Ashley, or not a problem for Mike Ashley. He's got it. But uh, is Derby County a good acquisition for him to spend that money, Craiger? Probably better than Newcastle was. Well, I mean, in the end, I guess he's okay, happy, but Newcastle fans were never, ever happy with Ashley. They didn't like him from the, the get-go, and generally they don't like Londoners and that anyway. Um, and they changed the memory, changed the naming rights to the stadium as well. Yep. Direct Sports, I think, and then uh, Sports Direct Arena. I was I went to St. James's Park for the time where Derby, that one season that it was called the Sports Direct Arena. So the sign, St. James's yeah. Park was gone. The sign was gone. My buddy who was a magpie was just gutted that we've got uh, photos in front of a stadium that reads Sports Direct Arena. <laughs> and now they're so much better off now, aren't they? Eh? They, they are. The good guys, the good guys in charge of, uh, of that team. You know That's what? That's right, the, yeah. The question that we must ask ourselves, Craig, if you're a fan of Derby, would you rather your team dissolve and never exist again, or would you rather Mike <laughs> Ashley come in and save them? <laughs> That's a question, though, right? No one's, no one's, oh, no one's mean, lining up to buy them. What, mm. what did Mike Ashley actually do that upset Newcastle fans I, I mean really other than you know the club not doing particularly well and putting the blame on him I mean he hasn't got the money that the Saudi Arabian state has you no, know but I think it's what he didn't do right he didn't spend money though that's a problem wasn't it and I mean he did put a lot of, he bailed that team out as well they had a lot of debt they did he just didn't invest in the squad. I think that's the most frustrating thing, and that's all, all fans look well, at. Well, I think the problem is these days is if you're really going to compete at the top, you need to be a multi-multi-billionaire. It's not these you know millionaires are, or single billionaires <laughs> not enough. I think he's you know, his victim to the fact what a world we live in. that the fans thought that Newcastle were in a much better place when he took over than I think they actually were, and they, you know, they truly were on a downturn uh, that could have been a lot worse if he'd not saved them. I think he actually corrected the trajectory a bit. Um, despite you know how how poor some of those years were, but every time they went down, they came back up, having won the championship the next season. So at least those fans got thirty eight games to be hopeful for, as opposed to thirty eight <laughs> games a, a season worrying they're getting battered by the Premier League's best. 
they got drama, didn't they? Every year there was drama of some sort, whether it's winning promotion or getting relegated. They had that one, one, one year with Rafa when they were like, what? They finished, I think, was it ninth, maybe? Tenth? What was it in the end? He had them in the top ten, yeah. Uh, he, they were they were knocking on a European place for quite a bit, I think. And there was mm-hmm. a season, remember, we did a preview show back at the footy show, and I had picked them based off of some run or some signing. I'd picked them to finish sixth, and you all laughed at me because they, no one had them higher than maybe 13th, and I had picked them sixth, and they finished sixth that year. <laughs> so you can go and pull up that yeah. table if you want to do the Google. That's your claim to fame, is it, B? Yeah, you're still hanging on to that one, are you? Yeah, you got one right. The one time I picked them, yeah, it was at the end of the last decade, but I did get one right. Who was That's a signing? It. What signing was it? Do you remember that that made you think number six? Was it Dwight Gale or someone? No, but it was of that. It would have been of that ilk for sure, though. That's a great callback. <laughs> That's a good reference. No, it, this. I feel like this was, and I'm trying to think of my position on the table where we sat in the studio. I feel like it was... 2009 maybe 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 i could uh, no no uh when did we finish the footy show 2012 2012 okay Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) excuse me surprising we've spoken about newcastle for this long we've not mentioned that they were perhaps the biggest upset of this fa cup weekend uh, losing one nil at home to cambridge united whose super fans include jamie oliver the chef and i can't think of anyone else max rushton who uh guardian Host Matt uh, Russian, okay. Podcaster, yeah. Oh. Former Soccer AM, yeah, there big, you go. big time fan. Has the club offered themselves to Max Rushton to be bought several times? Because Jamie Oliver's uh, had to turn them down on, on several occasions and change phone numbers, he admitted, <laughs> on a footy show really? interview that we did, actually. that He's one of the best, in, I tweeted this as well, that Jamie Oliver is the best interview I think I've ever done on radio, at least, at least in that stretch when we were on radio. When was it? Was I was I there for that one? You weren't. I had come in at six in the morning to do this. Actually, yeah, I that's in at great. Six in the morning, I taught myself how to use the switchboard to be able to to get him. And he, I was the first on. He was doing like a radio row, and I was the first one at six a.m. And I had learned the day before from our tech. I come in at five thirty, set it all up, think I'm good to go, get him on the phone to connect with him, and it's not recording. And in the fly, I can't figure <laughs> it out, and I'm just broken. And so the the agent on the phone is just like, okay, well, sorry, mate, gonna move on. And Jamie's like, well, do you think you could figure it out in, in twenty minutes? We'll call you back. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. No, really, I appreciate that. And 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 twenty one minutes later, they call back. It's him. I had it recorded, ready to go, and he gave me ten gold minutes. Nice. What a great guy. I've always heard that about Jamie Oliver. Fantastic dude. Yeah, he was excellent. We talked about him working with some Premier League footballers. We talked about football food, and then he told me how uh, he, he he loves people like jay-z and their uh their love of olive oils we spoke about jay-z and olive oils for five minutes of it. <laughs> it was great so he's a big cambridge united fan he's from there i think he's from there and uh, and they're a huge fan of him and they would love to be bailed out but um i mean how long should every cambridge united player and staff member be afraid to look over their shoulder after beating uh saudi-owned Newcastle United. <laughs> Watch <laughs> out. Right? You hear that? That, that sore starting. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Former Canadian uh, Carla Corzine played for Cambridge United oh, yeah? as well. Oh, great great call back. Right. Look okay. at that. Well, he, he did all right. There. But uh, full, house, full house there, right? St. James's. And I think the uh, the Cambridge had that 5,000 traveling contingent, exactly. which is great. What a day. And that's what, the, that's what this mm. tournament's about. Right for surprises, um, going up against uh, the best and the biggest who you, you don't think you stand a chance against, and, and they pull it out. It is, it is, uh, it's still a fantastic tournament, you know, guys. I mean, I saw their entries this year. Seven hundred and twenty-nine teams entered the FA Cup. I mean, it is the the ultimate March Madness. 
<laughs> it really is. But I mean, like, you know, does it really count if if my co-ed league team that plays Tuesday nights in Toronto is eligible to be part of that 729? It counts even more. It's amazing. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You have a chance to win the cup. <laughs> it's like uh it's it, you know it's we we joke a lot about the Europa League but uh the Europa League actually is a, is a 13 month tournament it's, it starts the next season starts May 29th with qualifying games for <laughs> for teams from Ireland and Moldova get to play in that that first first round and then Celtic have fallen so far down the pecking order that whoever finished the second in Scotland or Rangers would have been for a while they get to start playing Europa League qualifying games in May and I see 729 We've all we've all had to host or, or work on a production of Europa League and FA Cup, right? Yeah. Over our careers, what's more difficult to prepare for? The early rounds of the Europa League or the the early rounds of the FA Cup? I would say Europa. I Probably agree. right. Yeah, I agree. Because at least I mean, some of those teams were in the deep backwoods of yeah. Hungary and Bulgaria and Romania. Oh my God, we didn't know who the hell they were, where they were but coming from. But thankfully, there'd, there'd be some awful incident right which would just like delay proceedings and we could get into our political high horses and say how wrong it is because it would always happen right every week in the europa league there'd be some awful always. you know racist anti-semitic something happening in the stands on mm-hmm. the field it was incredible and yeah so that helped us like you know fill time fill some air rather than talking about you know sheriff fc at the time who, who, who were nothing <laughs> now they're a champions league team of course but not then well and at the same time we were watching how many games at once they were actually, and we would jump from game to game sometimes, and it was like, yeah. holy shit, like 16 games going on. 64 team group stage. Like, uh, you know, we just don't have the access to call someone that's got reference to having played on the third team, uh, you know, in Albania and going up against the uh, the fourth place team that finishes in Serbia every year. Hey, I'd say this much. I bet there's more Canadians have played in the third tier of Albanian football than the first tier of English football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what? I would like Ooh. some. I bet, I bet there is. Listen, like, you know, no. look at some, okay, maybe that's a stretch. <laughs> but you know, the backwaters of Europe, though, we've had a lot of players over the years play the backwaters of Europe, haven't we? That's changing right? yes. more, more so than the top that's, tier of European football. That's changing charms. Mm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thankfully, now these players are playing for historic names like Nottingham Forest. That's Richard Larea's big move. Hey, we should get Jim Brennan on to talk about that. So, welcome to the show, friend of the show. Making, I believe, his debut on Footy Prime. Jimmy no, Brennan. No, no, no. He's been on before. Oh, yeah. Oh, my apologies. Okay, in my tenure. Google Jimmy Brennan's snake, and then it'll come up. <laughs> oh, that's right. Remember that story? <laughs> <laughs> Not that snake. Well, first time since I've been a part of the show, Jimmy. So, uh... <laughs> Not the trouser snake. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you, man. How are you keeping? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm doing good. As good as you can be. Especially with, with what we're all going through. Do you know, it's, doesn't it suck that, you know, whenever someone says to anyone now, you know, how you doing? You say, yeah, I'm okay, all things considered. Right? you got to mm-hmm. kind of yeah. throw that. We are obligated to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Kind of getting bored yeah. of it, aren't you? You know, we all do it. Listen, the other thing to that, James, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a habit, isn't it? Saying, oh, how are you? And nine times out of ten, people really don't care how you're doing. <laughs> And your answer is never, oh, I feel amazing. But things are just wonderful for me at the moment. Because <laughs> they never are. Nobody ever says that. <laughs> Actually, Jimmy, when I ask somebody how they're doing, I honestly mean I it. I don't know if I, if I agree with that. <laughs> you just switch off every time you ask me a question. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, that's there is, there is that. Yeah. He starts thinking about something else. Imagine doing a, a podcast with him four days a week. 
what that's like. Yeah. Well, well, next time Craig says to you, Jimmy, you know, how you doing? Say, awful. I've got cancer. And then he'll be like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. And that's conversation, right? Because he's not listening. He doesn't care. He's not listening. You know, throw it out there. <laughs> then he'll ask you 20 minutes later. So how's everything going? <laughs> I just told you. Yeah. Hates dead air. Yeah, that, like, like, that conversation was uh, I had with Jimmy when I had it. <laughs> was that how it was? Hey, Jimmy, I got cancer. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, I got cancer. In what? The ball. Is your other one good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what, about, what about when you said you woke up and you asked the doctor if you could take it home? <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't feel – I felt my ball bag and I couldn't feel where they took it out. And I'm like, what the freaking hell? It's missing. So this guy's a magician. Like, I don't know where they – and then I was like – so the doctor was like, where did you take it from? I just thought it was pretty self-explanatory. He went, no, oh, no, we have to pull it up through your belly and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm glad I was asleep for that. <laughs> when Craiger said, let's get Jimmy on tonight, let's get Jimmy on now, I just assumed it was self-explanatory. It was to talk about Forrest and Richie going there and maybe a little CPL, but no, it was just to walk down memory lane so you can talk about your testicles again. Yeah, yeah. my testicle. That's cool. The one bollock, not the plural. I <laughs> uh, love it. Well, Jimmy, uh, they can't. Uh, the people can't see you, but we can. Your hair looks great. Uh, your, your, your track top looks like uh, it's part of that United Pogba collection. It's it's that kind of pattern going on. It looks good. I wish people could see Charms right now because he looks like he just woke up. He's dealing with things. Yeah, I look pretty rough, don't I? I look pretty rough right now. Oh, riding that moped again. James <laughs> has COVID and his whole family. Oh, yeah. that's brutal. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. COVID is not going to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough of those pleasantries. Uh, Jimmy. <laughs> COVID and the cancer. What a great way to start the show. The segment. Oh, I know. What I get myself into here. Yeah. Uh, from that to force, let's, let's, let's talk about your old club because I think uh, a lot of yeah. people, a lot of Canadians were, were hopeful that, you know, Richie Larea might, uh, might get a big move overseas. There was rumors of Turkey. And I think out of nowhere for a lot of people, uh, championship side with a lot of pedigree, not even force came calling. What do you, what was your reaction to, to the move and that being his first destination abroad? Yeah, look, I was, I was happy for him. Um, I think that's going to be a club that he, he can flourish in. Um, you know, I, I texted him as soon as he got the move. Uh, just wishing him all the best. If you need anything, let me know. And um, he's he's genuinely excited. He's waiting for that opportunity for a long time now, um, and it's come. And uh, for him to be at Forest, I mean, his first match that he watched today was against Arsenal, and you could see he was buzzing. Right, walking in the stadium, he must be going, "Oh my god, this is like a dream come true." Went packed, beating Arsenal. It doesn't get much better than that for your opening game, does it? You know what I mean. So now, uh, but now it's it's up to him. Up to him. He's just got to continue the momentum that he had here. Um, enjoy the experience. It'll take him a little bit of time to settle in, but hopefully it won't take him too long. And especially the pace of the game over there and the demands and all the, the rigors of, the, of that league. Um, but uh, I'm excited to watch him. I really am. And I think, uh, I think it's going to suit him, especially the way that they play as well with his pace. And he loves to get forward. That's what they expect from their fullback. So um, mm-hmm. I think uh, – you know, especially with the way that he plays, uh, with his heart in his sleeve, um, the the fans there are going to love it. They're going to love his energy and just how passionate he is when he mm-hmm. plays. I think they've got themselves a very good player and at a very good price, to be honest with you. And, and and a guy that's willing to learn and fight for the club and is so excited to be part of it. So I can always see good things for him at yeah. uh, at Nottingham. I agree. I think when you look at, at Richie's 
he's an honest player, you know, and uh, that's one thing that fans like. He, he doesn't cheat. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're genuinely going to enjoy watching him play once he, once he gets settled. Um, but, you know, he's, he's excited. He genuinely is. Um, and I, I hope he does well. I really do hope he does well because, you know, either he's going to help them get promoted or it's going to be a stepping stone for him to, to try to get to a, the, the next club. You know, it's nice having an FA Cup run. Uh, they are a few points out of the playoffs, uh, but they're definitely in the hunt uh, for that. Um, like I said, nice to be in the FA Cup. Leicester is up next at home. So that's a, I don't think Leicester's going to want to be uh, going there. That's not going to be a happy experience one way or the other for them. Um, but it also can become a distraction away from the league sometimes. Uh, do you think that that's a possibility with the size of the squad that Forest have uh, if they get too distracted by the FA Cup success? No, I don't think so. I think they're, they've got one goal, and that's to get in the playoffs, and that's why now they're, they're starting to spend some money. They, they want to make a push in this, this second half of the season here. Playing in the FA Cup, it's, all, it's always a bonus. Um, and getting those big big games and the big results, yeah, it's great. But if you if you look at the reality of it, how often does you know a team in the in the championship or lower divisions end up winning it? Um, very rarely. Um, so those games you enjoy them uh, against Leicester. Yeah, they'll be you know packed another sold house sold out house, and uh, it'd be a great experience for the players. Um, but at the end of the day, their focus has got to be all about the league. Um, and that's their goal is to get that, that club back into the Premier League. Jimmy, I think, you know, most, most newbie fans, these fans over here in the last, you know, number of years don't know much about Forest. Um, you know, they haven't been in the Prem for a long time. Can you tell us about yeah. this club? And I mean, to me, it's still a huge club because I watched them in the 80s. You know, I remember even Brian Clough, you know, back in those days, way back when. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Roy Keane, Neil Webb, great players. Jimmy Brennan, of course. Um but tell us about this club. You know, what is it like to play for that football club in that town? Look, for me, look, I'm, I'm a fan of the club. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed probably the best, best football in my career at Forest. Um, and the history is, it's unreal. Um, you, you walk in, there's a picture of Brian Clough. The, they've got the two European Cups sitting there as well on the mantles and there's just the history within the within the organization. You look back in this, the 70s, Craig, you know as well, charms. But, you know, the, the later part of the 70s, early 80s, Nottingham Forest was the Man United back then. You know, they, they won the Champions League. They were winning cups. Uh, they, were, they were one of the top teams uh, in Europe. And even today, when you're at the club, you have the old European Cup winners that are always there. Um, they're coming into the dressing room. They're always around the club. Um, there's so much history um, that comes with it, and the, the fans are passionate. But they they just want the glory days back. They they want to get get back into the into the top flight, and and one day get back into Europe. Um, and they've been starved of it for for an awful long time. And they've they've had a, n- a number of owners that have come in. Some some were good, some weren't. Um, but you, it seems like they're starting to get the club back on track now. But, uh, you know, I think with, with Richie, he's going to absolutely love playing there. Um, and you guys know how big that club is and, and the potential that it does have. What do you think about this national team right now? I mean, he's become a very key piece of the national team program, pushing on. And uh, what's just your reaction been to how they've grown over the last two years in this pandemic to heights that few, very you know, few people thought would have been, uh, been possible right now? I'll tell you one thing. They're, they're exciting to watch. They really are. They're, they're enjoyable to watch. Just the, the pace that they have, and 
how technical they are. You, I mean, now we've, we've got, got players all around the world in the top leagues at the moment. Um, you know, and they're, they're talking about Jonathan David now getting, getting a move. Um, who knows where he's going? Uh, I mean, Craig, we were talking about that today, weren't we? Saying that he's going to get a, a big move now. And, you know, the more Canadians that we can get over into the top leagues and performing at the highest level, it's just going to make our national team even stronger. Um, and it's good to see now, too, a number of players actually making that commitment. You know, now these days, uh, players have, uh, and especially being Canadian, you know, there's a lot of first-generation Canadians that have uh, parents from, from different backgrounds. They can play for other countries. And, and now you're starting to see some players saying, you know what, I'm going to play for Canada. And uh, I, I think the pool's just getting – it's getting very, very big. And um, like I said, they're, they're great to watch. And they've, they've got so many players to choose from right now. You know, it's not that long ago either where, where – if Nottingham Forest had signed a, a Canadian player, not not so much you, Jimmy, because you were coming from uh, the English system yeah. uh, already, but buying somebody strictly coming from North America, Canadian player, you would have saw a lot of negativity on social media about that alone, just because of the you know what the what do you call it perspective is on on a Canadian player. That's changed now. Uh, nobody cares where anybody comes from. And I think that's been a long time coming, but the likes of Alfonso and uh, David um, Buchanan, you know, we've got a bunch of really good, exciting players that are proving at the very top level that it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're, you're right though, but they, they're, they're putting Canada on the map. And now we're, we're a country that's, that's recognized because we're performing. We're sitting on top of the table in CONCACAF right now. We've got a great chance, probably the best chance ever of getting into a world cup now. Um, and like I said, we've got these players playing in the top leagues. And now we've got an national team that we as Canadians can be proud of. And it's only going to open up the doors now where you're hoping a few more Canadians are going to start going overseas now because people are going to genuinely look at the national team program and go, I tell you what, they got some top players over there. I'm going to go see if I can find a diamond in the rough and, and get them over. Now you look at Richie Larea, a fantastic player. They, they got him for a bargain. They got him for a bargain. Now, if he does well over the next couple of years there and he lights it up and all of a sudden now they're selling him for 15, 20 million, well, it's a fantastic profit. So these clubs now, like they're starting to come to Canada and starting to say, okay, can we find another couple of diamonds and, and, and invest in these players? Well, Jimmy, for the last three years, you know, you've been looking for diamonds in the rough. You know, that's what the CPL is all about. You know, you're no longer at York right now, but that was a young, young team that got to the playoffs. Um, from that perspective, like, where are we at as a nation? How many kids coming through are are close or are perhaps, you know, um, not taking the route to MLS, to overseas, but might see CPL very much as a, a genuine pathway to the next level? I think with the CPL, I think it's doing a great job of, of, of finding these young Canadians and, and giving them a platform. Um, you know, we, we had a, a number of young guys that if they weren't playing in the CPL and getting first-team football, they wouldn't be getting it overseas right now and they wouldn't be playing in an MLS team or they'd be playing in a reserve team somewhere. Um, so these guys are getting the opportunity now where, where they're getting games under their belt. And that's what you need as a young player. You need to play games and they got to be competitive games. Um, and I think over the next number of years, these, these players, um, especially the, the young ones that we had at York, I can see them making that jump. If they continue progress in the way that they're doing right now. You know, uh, Lowell Wright, um, Isaiah Johnson, Cedric, uh, Abzi, like these young guys, they've been performing. Now they're starting to catch the eye of people. You, they're already 
you know, rumors going around that a few MLS teams are starting to look at these guys now and possibly overseas. And that's what it's about. It's about getting these guys an opportunity to play first team football. Um, and that's that's where the value is going to be because if I'm if I'm over in Europe right now and I'm looking at the Canadian Premier League, I'm going okay. It's it's their top league. He's playing first team football. Maybe I'll have a maybe I'll look at this player. Maybe I'll take him. But if they were if they were playing reserve team football or in League One in Ontario, you're not investing in those players. You know you're not looking at them um, because they need to be playing first team football. So I think the game's getting. The game in Canada is getting stronger. It's getting better. But the national team is is a big part of it because if it's successful, everything underneath filters down. Um, and now there's starting to be a demand for it. Now you're starting to see young players look at the national team, and now they're starting to come into the CPL. Um, and you're hoping one day that these guys end up playing in, in, uh, in the Canadian national team. Totally agree with that. And I think when you look back at Canadian success, even back uh, qualifying for – uh, 86 with the benefits of having players in the old North American Soccer League. And then um, during the 90s, even with the Canadian League that we had, um, still we benefited from a few players that played in the national team, filling the odd hole here and there. So that was, you know, another good time when we had uh, some reasonable success. And, and then we lost that for many, many years until Major League Soccer came in. Hey, Jimmy, how, how hard was it and how, how frustrating was it to – trying to establish a brand new league right as a bloody pandemic hits. It must have mm. driven you guys up the friggin' wall. I tell you, it was, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in football. Um, you know, you're trying to put programs uh, on for the players, but they've got to do it at home um, because we, we couldn't get to the, the training pitch. Uh, and then everything got shut down. And then all of a sudden you're going into a bubble. Uh, we went to, PEI, we were out there for what was it, six, seven weeks. Um, you're stuck in a hotel. You're getting tested every single day. Couldn't leave the hotel. Uh, and then the only time you could was in the mornings when you're going to your, your training session. It was for an hour and a half. Then you're back to the hotel. And then your games at nighttime. And then that was it. We couldn't even go watch other, other games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're very, very strict. And then you come out of that uh, last year when – or the year before that, I think, what did we play, 10 games? It's not really a season, is it? It's more like a tournament. Right. Um, and then we played uh, the season last year, and, and, and that felt a little bit more more like a regular season. I mean, apart from the beginning, we're stuck in, in Winnipeg for, for seven weeks. Um, <laughs> apart from that. <laughs> yeah, that was difficult again. But then eventually we got back, and, you know, the, the league worked uh, extremely hard to, to, to try to – at least make sure that we had a, a somewhat of a regular season. Um, but it was very difficult. It was very difficult uh, for, for everyone. Wasn't it uh, true, Jimmy, that uh, some teams had a better preseason too or were able to train and get together where I would hear it was different? Exactly. You know, Pacific, they, they were training. I think March they started training, um, getting ready for the season in April. Um, and the rest of the teams, Calgary, all of them were, were, were doing something. Um, but we were the ones that were – totally locked down, couldn't do anything. Um, and we ended up think training a week and a half as a team before we went into the bubble. Um, so we, we had players that, you know, picking up injuries left, right, and center. Um, we, we couldn't get guys fit. Uh, and it, it took us a while to, to eventually get going. Uh, and that, that's why, I mean, I said it before, I was, I was so proud of the players for, for what they went through. Imagine, imagine playing a 30-game season and, 
and having a weak preseason to get yourself going. Now, we, we couldn't – how do you work on tactics? You can't get the guys together. You've got no resources. And then you're just pulling these guys in. You're sitting down talking with them saying, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to do this. And then you have so many new players that you don't know what their best strengths are. So it's, <laughs> it was the most bizarre situation ever. And then just sitting there, I remember sitting with Stolli and Camilo going, okay, how are we going to play? And we're like, well, we've only trained for a week, so we don't know what the best formation for these players is going to be because we haven't trained with them. We haven't seen them in any preseason games. And all in all, it was a pretty good season and getting to the semifinals. You know, everybody, the- everybody figured that we were going to be dead last. We had the youngest team in the league. Um, we had no preseason. Yeah. We had nothing, no resources. Um, but I've got to give credit to the, to the players and, and Camilo and Stolli. They, they've done a hell of a job. Um, just trying to get the best out of these guys with with what we had, um, and I think we had the the most minutes for under twenty one players in the league by far. I think we had almost ten thousand minutes for under twenty one players, and I think the second most was something about three and a half thousand. Was it three thousand thirty five hundred? So we wow. we rode these young guys, and and regularly would you would you do that? No, you wouldn't. You know, you'd gradually pull them in and, and take them out of games, but we we had to ride them. We just had so many injuries and. Um, you know, we said we had some players that just weren't up to up to speed. And, uh, it was it was very very difficult. Absolutely, it was. I mean, no, nobody can prepare you that. Uh, you know, you go do all the courses you want in the world, but they never tell you how to <laughs> how to set up a preseason for a week and then go play a thirty game season. Mm-hmm. And then, by the way, you're going to be in a bubble. So figure that out. <laughs> you know, it was it was a lot of learning on the go. A lot of learning on the go. Mm-hmm. But seeing how uh, the league has progressed so far, and we talk about the perception uh, overseas. Um, I'm, I'm, I know that you must have been getting texts from agents in other countries and other places that you you never would have imagined. Uh, you know, when the when the league was first cooked up, the idea that uh, you know, players and clubs overseas are are looking at Canada, wanting to make this uh, a, a real destination. Yeah, the, the game has grown. I mean, look, the, the Canadian Premier League still got a, a long, long way to go. Long way to go. Um, and you feel bad. You feel bad for the for the owners and, and the investors because you know the the idea and the concept. The first year it was fantastic, and then all of a sudden, year two, you're in a you're in a in a pandemic. Year three, you're in a pandemic. You're trying to make things work. You're playing behind closed doors, and you know. So from the financial side, yeah, it was it's been very difficult for them, um, but they're, they're sticking with it, and and hopefully the you know the the rewards uh, will pay them off eventually one day. Um, but it, the league's got a, an awful long way to go. And yeah, you know, you, you do, the agents are calling you, they've got players all around the world. So look, you, you can go anywhere in the world and, and grab these, these players. But at the end of the day, I think the, the most important thing is that the league has got to stick to the values and make sure that you continue to develop young Canadian kids. And then when you do bring foreigners in, the foreigners have got to be better than the Canadians to make the Canadians better. Um, there's no pre- point in bringing a, a foreigner in if he's not as good as the Canadians. Or he's on par with the Canadians. It doesn't make sense. You need to develop these Canadians and make sure that when you do bring in a foreigner, you invest properly and you make sure that he comes in um, and he's he's better than what you've got here. Listen, Jimmy, we uh, you know with with Deech, um very busy these days. Um, there's always a yeah. space for you, mate. So we'd love to get you on at some point. So uh, if you got loads of time right now, right? So we'll just take advantage. Yeah, call me anytime. Call me anytime. I always come on to banter with you boys. Always a pleasure. Jimmy's great. Could talk to Jimmy forever. And uh, and we will many more times on this show. And uh, as we expand into our interview show, I'm very excited to chat with Tancredi Palmieri on Tuesday. We'll talk about uh, one of the biggest signings in Serie A MLS history. But 
Before we get to a little continental chat, boys, let's finish up some FA Cup notes because there were a couple of games worth talking about. Uh, Morecambe, 21st in League One. They won promotion via the playoffs last season. They go up on Tottenham 1-0 and uh, had to wait until the 74th minute before the, I guess, their fate that we all expected came and uh, and Tottenham beat them up uh, 3-1 in the end. But Conte, Conte after the match uh, seemed like a guy who was a little frustrated. Did you hear him afterwards? Because he was quick to comment on on Tottenham's ambition needs to match his own ambition for them to have long-term success together. He insists he has uh, no concerns about the short length of his contract. And I'm reading between the lines here. I think Conte's a little mad that Daniel Levy didn't buy him Lorenzo Insigne. (laughs) <laughs> that hit him specifically? Specifically. That's exactly it. Uh, today we beat Morkem. They play in uh, League One, whatever. Uh, long term. And he goes into his future. Hey, maybe that would have been a fit if, uh, if the contract was, uh, was shorter. Um, but you got to think from Spurs' point of view, signing a 30-year-old makes more sense from Toronto SC's point of view, I think, than theirs. Plus the whole wage structure. I mean, what's... what's- Kane can't be on much more than Insigne is getting. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't have. I mean, it ben wouldn't have been not, the same money. His deal is right now. They they right. may they may have been able to 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 uh, triple his his annual, but it would have been a two year deal max, mm-hmm. maybe right. So I don't know. To me, it's just it's, this is the beginning of the end for Conte at Spurs. He's this is what he does, right? It's happened a little bit sooner than I thought, mm. but he's putting the public pressure on Dan Levy. To uh, to spend some money this this January and of course next summer, so it's just for him to go public is going to drive Levy crazy. Yeah. Just make even even hint towards that, but it's do you know- drive him crazy? You don't do that. It's too soon. You've been there for what twelve games. So looking at this game specifically, though, which uh, everyone expected them to beat Morecambe and they did three one in the end. He had Delhi Alley up front and he played a five three two, and so I looked at that and thought he's got Alley in the shop window. Yeah, that's been rumored for a while, right? Um, Italy are, are looking at Ali. I mean, he's actually played a lot better since Conte got there. He's mm-hmm. played some big games, played okay after disappearing under Jose Mourinho. Remember when when he was like, you know, the the next big thing in in English football, Delhi Ali. He was like a fire superstar. Yeah, and something happened there. Whether it's his, his training, he got kind of sidetracked by the off field exploits, you know, distractions. It happens. Um, but it seemed ever since the Amazon documentary, he went downhill. Before that, it started before that. I think uh, everyone thought that Jose and the Amazon documentary might save Dali Ali, but it didn't. Remember that first, the first one, of the first scenes of jo- Jose at Spurs training, and he he singled out Dali Ali for being shit at mm-hmm. training and not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. Remember that. And look um, where they both are now. But I mean, yeah, that's a guy that you, you know, he's kind of screaming out for a fresh start somewhere, isn't he? Yeah, and, he and can still can still rekindle what it should be a very good career. And he'll get it, and he's got a name that he can. He'll get a good pay packet for it. He'll get a, a great wage, whether he goes for a, a team that's got aspirations as high as uh, as Tottenham had, or as high as his own personal aspirations that we would speculate, um, or whether he goes somewhere to take a, a nice big paycheck like a uh, Hamas Rodriguez. He'll be able to live off of that uh, two seasons of of fame and and uh, high potential. MK Dons. So I wonder if they're still uh, going to get any kind of buyback option there. Maybe he'll end up at MK Dons. Imagine all that. Started. <laughs> West Ham 2 leads nil. Woo. There you go, Gregor. Not only are you uh, kicking on for top four, but the FA Cup run continues to at least the fourth round, which I think is the bare minimum expectation for a club like that. Yeah. No, I do too. Um, 
It's a good draw next round, except uh, it's not a good draw, if you know what I mean. It's Kidderminster yes. Terriers away. <laughs> uh, sixth tier, I believe, in English system. Um, Be Reading 2-1. One of those game. One of those games that you're just it's a hiding to nothing. Uh, played in a few of those. Expected to win. Um, but you can't just go through the motions because the cameras are going to be there. They're going to, they're setting it up for a giant killing moment. And, uh, so as straightforward as it should be, sometimes it isn't. In some of those games, do do you find that not that the room would be split, but do you feel as though there, there are some guys that take their foot off the pedal and it, it, it makes the room, uh, a little fracture, at least for that game where you're, you're not all giving it your all because there are some people that are, some players that are overlooking the opposition when it's a mismatch like that? Yes, a little bit. I think that uh, players will naturally try to get through it uh, with the least amount of energy, but uh, that's where your manager and the rest of the team and, you know, individuals, hopefully strong characters in the team, um, which they are, uh, will show it on that particular day. We, we lost some game. We lost, remember losing to Northampton in the FA Cup with West Ham. Um, yeah, Harry wasn't at all happy with that. Can I say, post, post-match and those kind of losses, like what's the room like? I mean, is it just, are you embarrassed at that point or are you just waiting for the gaffer to come in and just hand it to you? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of that. And you're just hoping that get back to training next week and it'll all be forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> and generally it is, right? I mean, game thing, if football moves very quickly and their games are coming quickly and fast and, and there's always a new story around the corner. So as much as like Arsenal are going to take a beating over the next day or two, um, when they come out of it, uh, Arteta might say, other than giving some young guys an opportunity to play some games, the actual distraction of the FA Cup for us getting in the top four it might not be such a bad thing. You mentioned they've got Kidderminster Harriers in the next round. Is that away or home? I believe it's home. It's away. Oh, it is away. Yes, wow. it's away. How how incredible is that for sixth tier Kidderminster? But will Kidderminster decide to flip it? Will they offer that? I wonder. Well, that's it. I, I, I've actually put the message out to West Ham and, and said, uh, is that a possibility? I haven't heard anything back, but uh, it has been known. Their ground holes are just over 6,000. I think they have about 3,500 seats. Very small, tidy, tight little ground. Um, a lot will have to do with the ownership there too. And, uh, you know, their involvement and relationship with the fans because the fans are going to want to play at home. But if they decide to flip it and play at West Ham, uh, financially, it's going to be worth a ton of money to them. Do you, assuming, will the West Ham fans that come out and watch that? I'm, I'm wondering. It, would, it wouldn't be a capacity stadium, I wouldn't think. More, more than 6,000. <laughs> well, I don't know. You'd be surprised. I think that you know West Ham would, yeah. And then they can make the tickets uh, more affordable or whatever to, to, to get people in there for sure. They, they'll, they should be able to pack it. Hey, Craig, do you remember... The Vidi printer. Do you remember that back in English TV? You, I mean, you were playing most Saturdays, right? But yeah, you do, right? When they read out the scores, and then the pools, they read out the pool scores. Because teams like Kidderminster Harriers were always reminds me of that kind of name. You know, I, I can I can hear the guy's voice. I forget his name now. Very famous. Yeah, very famous. Yeah, Kidderminster. <laughs> Torquay one. And for your pools, two thirty-three. Yeah. It's, it's 
such a throwback. When I hear that, when I think about that, I get like goosebumps from my child. CFAX. Was that what it was no, called? No, CFAX. No, you're thinking of Teletext and CFAX. They were the uh, the precursor to the internet. And on certain channels, if you pay for them, my grandparents had it. I love to go to my grandparents and watch yeah. CFAX and like news. Page 301 was sports. It was page 301 was sports. And you go from there. So I always go there. No, the the, te- the teleprinter was just like literally reading out scores, you know, every score from from the first division at that time, right down to non league. Yeah, know. Barrow three, Scotland four, and two, and Scott. Yeah, exactly. Wales. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was I, great. I love the names that you're shouting out. Barrow were involved in one of the most exciting games of the weekend, five four. Um, did you actually watch that? You were tweeting about it, texting about no, it. No, so I was. Um, I managed to get, lay my hands on the BBC. Um, it's like you know how Sky See? do their their um, soccer Saturday. Okay, the the NFL red zone of the FA Cup you found, but only without the without the highlights. I know the world highlights. Sorry, BBC because they have the rights to it. Yeah, so they, the the commentator was going nuts. Again, and we're going back now to Barrow against um, was it Barnsley? Barnsley, Barnsley. Yeah, and he goes, I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's three two. They were down two nil and a man, and then it's three three. Then it's four three. Then it's four four. Then it's five four. So they were down 2-0 and a man down. They got it back to 4-4 and they lost 5-4. One of them. I forget who it was now. Was it Barrow or Barnsley? It doesn't really matter, actually. But it was just an amazing match. Where are Barrow now? Are they League 2? Jeez, I don't even know. Are they <laughs> in right, the table? No you drink your, drink, drink your gallon there. We'll, uh, we'll get through this, buddy. I uh, appreciate you battling through, through a global pandemic illness here, too. I apologize. It must sound disgusting when I throw clear. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to mute it when I get a chance. Not any different than you normally sound. No, okay, good. Glad yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we would never even know you have COVID, really. <laughs> Going through some of the teams involved in the FA Cup, though, had me thinking, especially Kidderminster Harriers. That sounds made up. Uh, six-tier side, very few people would know. We should play a game with Wonger. Is this or ain't this an FA Cup team? And just yeah, quiz him. Eh? Buckingham Thursday. <laughs> Clive United. And make Rushton him and Diamonds. Yeah. yeah. There's some real gems in there. We should. That's a good. Let's do that Wednesday. We'll do that on let's Wednesday. Test him. Yeah, yeah. We can make up a few. Yeah, throw them in there, and <laughs> our resident know nothing football guy. He's awesome. Here's a, a stat I saw on Twitter on this FA Cup Saturday that seems made up, but because it came from Richard Jolly, I know that it's true. Uh, Hall had Everton on the brink. Uh, Everton came back and won three two. Hall had scored forty five seconds into the game, I think. And uh, Rafa Benitez and, and company, God, they're in trouble. But they pull out the win. Uh, Richard Jolly tweeted that it was the first time a Benitez team have gone to extra time in a game when they conceded a first-minute goal since the 2005 Champions League final. That's a stat for you. Look at that. That is a wow. stat. Yeah. How, how do these guys have these stats? Like They watch even more football than we do combined. Yeah, basically, it must, yeah. must dominate their entire lives. Richard Jolly's fantastic. I'm his great follow. And he has the best stats, so I just don't know how he does it. Uh, I liked watching Roger Bennett's live tweets. He took over the, the Men in Blazers account. It's very clear that it was Roger Bennett tweeting uh, live throughout that match. Andrews Townsend, the extra time winner to cement disastrous glory for the Toffees in the end. They they just they just want Rafa out. Those yeah, supporters, I think. Uh, poor Rafa. And so poor Rafa. Just extends the suffering when they when they win because maybe maybe know. it would have been gone if they'd been ousted by Hall. I don't know. They're having a basically they're having a post mortem right off the football side of things at that club. Apparently, I forget who is who's now joined the the critique. A former player, I forget mm. who is now. But I mean, listen, look at the injuries, look at the COVID losses that teams had. I don't care who's managing it; it would be a tough season. So many injuries. So add in that Rafa is just not popular. Yeah, they haven't been able to spend any money either, have they? 
not so much. Well, they just spent money on um, uh, was it Patterson from from Hibs? I think it was. It wasn't cheap, young kid. I'm just searching this guy's name. Well, I'm going to take us to the continent. So if you pull us back on on go ahead Scottish transfers, I don't know if that's uh, going to make sense as I try and and wax poetically about Roma three, Juve four, which might have been the the match of the weekend for anyone who wasn't watching Barnsley and Barrow on your FA Cup red zone <laughs> on BBC. <laughs> Wasn't that something? That was wild. Even if you just see the highlights, uh, as as many Canadians, I think, don't have access to to these matches. Uh, I, for one, only saw the highlights. Uh, would have loved to have seen it. But, um, yeah, Jose Mourinho's Roma uh, going toe-to-toe with, with Juve, who are, are nowhere near the title, ra- title race right now. But, God, they made that a, a must-watch game. And didn't Roma miss a penalty, too? They did at the end, yeah. They, they had a chance to tie it. Pellegrini had a, a chance to tie it. Uh, Delic got sent off. He took a... Uh, ball in the hand and so his second yellow card and that sent Pellegrini to to the spot but uh he was stopped he was stopped they they missed it and come uh, come away with nothing that was a terrible penalty by the way like just awful it was kind of like a failed it wasn't even a panenka but it kind of looked like it was so badly hit yeah it just felt like a panenka yeah he, he you can't think that he hit it the way that he wanted to but i think everyone on the field was just so <laughs> exhausted like that was a that was a boxing match type of game you know, they were they were blow for for blow, going at it from uh, from the looks of it. From what I read, Tammy Abraham opened the, pardon me, opened the scoring for Roma. He's been amazing, and uh, makes you wonder like where would Chelsea be if they'd kept hold of Tammy Abraham? Maybe they wouldn't be as far off in the title race if they had someone they can rely on up front. Well, they, uh, well yeah, I mean they wouldn't have signed, they wouldn't have sold, so bought Lukaku, <laughs> right? But they didn't. That's not compared to the different players. I mean, Lukaku's a much better player potentially than Tammy Abraham, but he's doing well. Of course. Um, speaking of uh, much better players in comparison to uh, players that have worn the shirt in the past, uh, Napoli lost one nil to Sampdoria, and I think all TFC fans would have been terrified if they saw Insigne limp, limp off in the 30th minute as he did with what looked like a groin injury. Although you can flip it around, as someone tweeted, I saw some TFC fans said uh, he's just pulling himself out, saving himself for. For Toronto FC. Exactly. Be fresh. <laughs> Real fresh. J- look, July is uh, is not that far away, but in, in football terms, it is quite a ways away. Uh, Napoli still have the season to run out. And uh, that win over Samp is huge for them because they're third on 43 points. And they're only five back of, of Milan, who uh, who beat Venezia 3-0 in what I call the espresso fixture, the 6.30 a.m. kickoff, which I didn't wake up for. How do you think the Insigne's exit conversation went with Luciano Spalletti? Gregor? Um, it probably like, well done. Paletti, <laughs> <laughs> well happy done. for him. That's a lot of money. Good That's for you, buddy. And I still get to keep you until the end of the season as we make a run here? Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Well, we're, hey, remember when Seba was in yeah, Juve and he was supposed to stay at the end of the season? And my bet was, remember then all of a sudden they, were late, they released him early because they didn't yeah. want him around. The players are like, you know what I mean? He was just like, how did you get this going? Like, that's how do you get all this money? And you're making more than anybody in Syria. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we man's like, yes, I am. Well, the, the <laughs> Napoli fans seem to not fully turn, but there was, there was quite a few who have, uh, they had banners. I don't know if they, they did actually, uh, at Napoli's ground today, but midweek, uh, the first game since the announcement that he was leaving, um, against Juve, there were banners that Mertens is our captain now. So there's quite a few Napoli fans that you know thank him for his service, but feel that way that they want him out. He's leaving, then just go now. Mm-hmm. That's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. 
Nathan Patterson, by the way, went to Everton from uh, Rangers. That's what I'm thinking of. Big move. Okay. Big move. Good young player. Good young player. Speaking of good young players, uh, what did Insigne give Jacob Schaffelberg to take away his number 24? Because I hope it was something nice. Has he got it yet? Has he got Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I, what, what's the number worth these days, Craig? <laughs> Rolex? Yeah. Well, number 24, not a lot. A luxury watch, at least, right? Yeah. A holiday? Number 24, I mean. Doesn't Deitch have uh, ownership on that number? <laughs> this is the 24th right. minute. Was he- what number was I know it's twenty fourth minute. I know it is, but that's his kind of number, right? No, I mean, I he it. won number nine, obviously. Yeah. But I mean, that's probably know. why Schaffelberg chose it because he sung that song as a young in infant stands, yeah. in the stands watching uh, Dickio score the first ever goal. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a thing in change rooms then, Gregor. Like numbers, there, there wasn't guys that were married to numbers when they come into a situation and just have an entitlement or expectation that they're going to get it. Um. Yeah, some of them would. Yeah, some do. Usually number 10s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the biggest problem. What were you, Craig? Were you one number throughout? Were you a number one old school traditional goalkeeper? Uh, no, actually, I mean, my uh, my favorite number was 22. Oh. Uh, Why is that? Yeah. Because there was a goalkeeper at Vancouver Whitecaps, David Harvey. And we we're going back, man. Oh, man, he played years for Leeds United, too, back in their heyday. And uh, he wore 22 at vancouver so i kind of like that and i remember somebody saying to me about my twitter handle craig force one and saying oh you think a lot about yourself don't you? and i went <laughs> what the fuck are you talking it's just it's kind of the position number i was going for 22 but it was gone someone really said that to you yeah god there's some self hateful yeah. people on there jesus thought i meant number one is like my position number fair i actually thought it was someone had craig forrest already and so you couldn't get it so you had to add a one at the end like you know well that that was gone craig force and 22 is gone craig force 22 that yeah. was it gone. works for you you got the blue check mark no so, one should question it some of these bloody numbers in the yeah, cup teams this this weekend i mean like 80s 70s 60s <laughs> all these these uh squad players because they're playing for liverpool three but now yeah. uh clubs had to exactly. pull them on, pull them on and, and put them on for the match back in the day <laughs> Going way back, uh, nobody had squad numbers. It was just you know your your shirt. You're playing, you know whatever your position was that day. Okay, you're going to wear two. You're going to wear a five. You're going to you know uh, nowadays the cities of the world and the Peps of the world and the Mancini's of the world, you know, and the Luis Enrique's of the world don't believe in positions, so that would never work. No, no, it would never work. Be very confusing. And there was no names on the jerseys back then no. either. So terrible for commentators. Yeah, back then it was more about the uh, badge on the front than the name on the back. Ah, times change for the better. Ah, because I think it's changed, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine the conversations that these commentators would have to have before the internet, where they couldn't just look up the knowledge in the background of these players to find out, like number sixty-seven today. How old? What town is he? What village? Can I get his former manager's father on the phone? The research would be. We think it's extensive now. My God! Well, no, but they used to they used yeah. to go um, like. In the day before, they'd hit training and they'd talk to the players and get little tidbits and stories. It was nice, actually. And now it's so hard to get access to players. It's changed, right? And, and good thing for Wikipedia. <laughs> Damn right. God. It's changed for sure. And the quality of the broadcasts, you know, suffer in some instances because of it, too. But we know what I noticed this like, every FA Cup weekend, I notice it, but you hear all these new voices, yeah. right? Who you're just not used to hearing. Yeah. Some of them are really good, some of them aren't so good, right? 
Mm-hmm. I heard a couple of um, women actually calling games in the FA Cup. Really good. Mm-hmm. Like, really good. There's no reason why they can't call a game as well or better than a man. So hopefully they get the chance in the, in the Premier League, you know, um, more so. I've seen a bit of it on uh, DAZN. A few females have called games. They're, they've done a, good, a very good job of, of getting female voices in the booth for uh, women's Champions League games as well. Mm-hmm. Some of the analysts are very good. Last bit as we somehow long when it went from James, uh, Jacob Schaffelberg's number 24 to female commentators. Um, Bill Manning says, as uh, Insigne was uh, officially announced, um, the media team getting pretty cute, as, as Sharman had tweeted. He's, he's liking what he's seeing from uh, Toronto FC social media accounts. And TFC fans will be pretty happy with Bill Manning saying he wouldn't rule out Belotti and Seba moves just yet. Huh. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Seba, I mean, Belotti, I've heard that rumor. And, and uh, Seba loves it here. His family's still here, I think, isn't he, Craig? Um, 35, I mean, yeah. that would you get Insignia. And you have, I mean, Pozuela's not very big. Obviously, Soteldo's much smaller. I mean, they'd be like the smallest forward line in the history of football, wouldn't it? If Soteldo stays, the <laughs> Insignia and, and Seba. Yeah. It's like combined, they're about as tall as you. Like less than 12 feet? Yeah, like, like combined, they're not as tall as you, Greg. <laughs> it's not often that we break, uh, <laughs> that we, you know, unveil some insider information here. That's not our game. But since this is a bit more of a, a formal show on Sunday anyway, uh, I was told that uh, Sebastian Javinko was given real assurances last season before the season ended that he would be back. And uh, potentially at that, that point, it seemed as though he might have been back last season. And then I had wondered and totally recklessly speculated on my own if um, that conversation between Bill Manning or management and incoming Bob Bradley was, yeah, we're going to bring Seba back. And Bob Bradley would have been like, well, why don't we get the Italian guys that are doing it right now? Let's go get the guys at the top. You, can, you guys can afford it. Money bags. Open up the purses. And so that's where the conversation switched, shifted, and we've not really heard Seba um, formally until uh, only out of the lips of Sebastian Javinko himself who had a, an article with Laura Armstrong and the Toronto Star, actually, about wanting to come back when the rumors for Insigne first started. and uh, But now Bill Manning mentioning it makes me think that they're close to putting pen to paper on maybe that deal and trying to figure out behind-the-scenes Tam and Gam. Well, I mean, Manning said that he was just jumping on Transfer Market, the website, right, and just finding out who's out of contract, who who fits his profile. That's what he said that in the, in the, wow. the media availability, right? <laughs> Just to see names, you know, just go and get an, an idea, kind of brainstorm some names. But Seba, I mean, listen, I mean, it'd be a fantastic story if Seba came as well. Of course it would, but I mean, he is, he's at least 35 now, isn't he? He's, he's got, 35. Maybe, he, he's 35. I mean, listen, I didn't watch too many Al-Hilal matches last year, to be honest with you. Mm. Didn't watch too many. I did, actually. The first season he went, when I went to Bahrain, and, it was on the side of a wall. And I just looked up thinking like, oh, I wonder if that's, uh, if that's Seba's team. They're wearing blue shirts and there was an ISO of Seba. So my, okay. my cousin and I went into this uh, outdoor patio where every single person in there smoking hookah was uh, Saudi Arabian, except for my, my cousin and myself. And we uh, ordered a hookah and some beers and watched Seba Javinko uh, win the Riyadh Derby. Really? Wow. It was awesome. how, how was he? Was he good? He won a couple titles there, didn't he? They won the Champions League. They won the Asian Champions League. Yeah. They got big right. pedigree and they, wow. they certainly got a big budget. Baffet Simbi Gomez was the superstar strike partner for Sebastian Javinko and they're their best mates. I thought you said they had good pedigree. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. a superstar in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Gomez. Superstar. Would Seba come back to Toronto and not be a designated player? He'd have to for it to work. Well, it all depends. I mean, how... And they've done it with Bradley. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Like you mentioned, Gam and Tams, there's ways to fit him in for more than, you know, 
for almost a million, right? That's the only. It way, depends, yeah. What's he after? Is he after come back home, so to speak? You know, rekindle some of that love affair with the city for less money because I mean he's not getting, he can't get more. I mean, there's three spots available, right? Well, there's one spot. Well, when when Josie leaves and when Soteldo leaves, there's one spot available, right? With Insignia and uh, and Pazuelo. So, I don't know. Based solely on this article and Seba's words that uh, were spoken to Laura Armstrong, yes, he wants to come back to to because uh, he sees Toronto as home and finish his career in a place that he loves and a place that his family cool. loves. Well, it'd be fun. It'd be a lot of fun. Talk about his age. I mean, Danny Alves is going to be 39 in May. He was the oldest player to feature in La Liga for Barcelona in that 1-1 draw against Granada at the weekend. The last La Liga match he played in, Danny Alves, was May 14th, 2016 against Granada. He assisted, and he assisted on January 8th. Wow. It's the only guys they can afford now, right? Really, oh, it's, it's guys who are 38 making a dollar. <laughs> well, they, when they purchased Ferran Torres for $55 million over the Christmas break, thought, oh, good, they, they don't have money issues. And then it's come that they can't register him. They, they can't play him. Yeah, exactly. Now, you wonder now, Coutinho, your boy Coutinho, yes. off to uh, Villa, which is incredible. Um, that obviously helps things out. He only plays for European <laughs> champions. Barcelona, Bayern, Villa, it just makes sense. It's in his pedigree. <laughs> Liverpool. It's insane. Premier League's got all the money right now, eh? You notice in Europe, they're struggling. Yep. They really are, and they will for a, for a while. It's a, it's a it's a great deal for uh, for Villa, and it's a real demonstration of Gerard's pull mm-hmm. as well, right? It I don't is. think if if, if um, Dean Smith is still there, I don't think you're signing Coutinho. I could no. be wrong, but I don't think you are. <laughs> no, it's not happening. And Villa are supposedly the front runners for Luca Dean. By the time you listen to this, yeah, um, yeah. That, that may be done. But Everton wants away Luca Dean. Um, looks yeah. like he's going to going to Villa. Um, I hope Coutinho is incredible, obviously. Uh, I love the fact that Aston Villa are in a situation where they're helping out Barcelona, who are experiencing money troubles. Eh, we'll take Coutinho off your hands. No problem. <laughs> yeah, how times have changed. This could be a Hemes Rodriguez-Everton situation, you know. I'm not, I'm not that naive to think that hmm. Villa are getting the Coutinho that played in the Champions League final against PSG and was very good in that run for, for Bayern there at the end uh, after Project Restart. Yeah, but at the same time, Gerard knows him personally, right? And Gerard's a guy that puts character like really high up in his list of uh, what makes a good footballer. I don't think, you know, James Rodriguez was going for the money, obviously. Bit of a mercenary. I, I don't think Gerard's going to sign a mercenary necessarily. He, he knows what Coutinho can do. He played with him. Um, he was very complimentary of him in his book. Uh, what, you know, he brought to that room, that locker room, as well as mm-hmm. obviously on the field. So. I know. I hope it works out too because uh, he's a fun player to watch, and he was never worth 140 million or whatever, whatever it cost. It's no, sort of the craziest transfer that, that to me that is. You know, you hear Mbappe is the world what they're worth. Okay, was Mbappe fair enough? You know, and you know the Messi's, the Ronaldo's, whatever. But Coutinho, a really great player, but 142 million that would have been with add-ons. 142 million, like smashed the world record. He was never that good. He's not that level. No. But this is what Barcelona do. This is how they got themselves in a situation where they couldn't afford yeah. to have Messi for free. And they let <laughs> one of the best players of all time leave because they mismanaged the books. Yeah. Like, disaster. <laughs> like, oh, I couldn't imagine being a lifelong Barcelona fan and seeing that this chapter that they're in right now. Um, how far the greats have fallen, right? But, but the great times are pretty great, weren't they? So I think you probably trade it off. Great times were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they did okay. 
And they they do have Javi back, so maybe uh, maybe great times will will come in the near future. Yeah. Anything else, boys? The African Cup of Nations has started, and uh, I, I do feel bad for all those players involved and those teams involved because uh, it's difficult to play in the middle of a club season for one, as we know, Craiger. But dealing with COVID, um, that's uh, raging, ravaging the continent and Cameroon, where this tournament is being held. And the fact that there's no flexibility in the scheduling or understanding from organizers who demand that if a nation has 11 available players, doesn't matter if one of those doesn't happen to be a goalkeeper. If they have 11 players that are able to play and, and testing negative, then uh, they're expected to feel the side. And if they don't, they'll be handed a 2-0 forfeit. Unbelievable, hey? Like, I mean, that is a, it, yeah, there's not, they're not fooling around. 11 players, you play. You don't want to play. You want to bail. Well, then you get a 2-0 loss. That's going to be interesting. But I wonder how flexible they are about adding players uh, to the squad because you're supposed to have your squad, you know, fixed and set of 20. It's not very easy to get these players, as we've seen now, is it? Some players, clubs have refused to release them for this tournament, which yeah. shows yeah. A, a real level of disrespect towards the confederation, I think, as a whole uh, as well. Um Obviously, every situation is a little different, but Odion Agallo, former Manchester United superstar, he's playing in Saudi Arabia and Al Shabab, and they refuse to let him go to play for Nigeria. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of those guys in there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, this, this is no disrespect to Afcon, which is a great tournament, but let's be honest, he shouldn't be played right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't no, it make much be. sense. You know, it's, it's far from ideal. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. Well, this this tournament was supposed to be played last year, this time last year, and wasn't. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. They weren't able to. And you know, a few months ago, the world as a whole, as far as COVID was concerned, was in a very different place. And the prospect of it uh, not being played, you know, wasn't there a few months ago. So now here they are in this situation in, in Cameroon, that's also going through some real political instability at the moment too. Well, boys. I didn't expect to uh, reference Al Shabab or have a guest on today's show in uh, Jimmy Brennan, but what a show, boys. There we go. Yeah, good job. I, I enjoyed that. Okay. And good to get Jimmy on. It's been a while since we spoke to him, so uh, yeah, we'll get him on again very soon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's got to put himself in the shop window. He does, absolutely. <laughs> no better way to do that than on Footy Prime almost daily. Yeah, almost daily. Thanks, boys. Almost this is great. have a job. Uh, talk to you both again on uh, on Tuesday when we chat with Tancredi Palmieri. You better brush up on your Italian and wear that blue Atsuri shirt again to to swoon him, Craiger. Already? Tancredi. On Tuesday? On Tuesday. I might have to wash it. <laughs> we can't smell it from here. It's fine. No, we can't smell it. There's, I, don't see, I don't see any Mr. Hungry stains down it. I don't see any. No. No, there's a little dust on there. I have to... Brush it off. <laughs> you haven't dropped any of your canned beans on it or anything, so I guess you're good. I used to hate the Italian national team. Now I, now I love the Italian national team. I don't know why. Well, me too. I know. It's weird to beat, to beat England at Euro, but I just love them because they play such a fun, brilliant style of football. It's also to wind me up, you bastards. I don't want to be around you when Italy play Portugal <laughs> in March. Come on. Hey, listen, no. there's no losers in that match, assuming they get that far. I'm happy to be around you on this show, though. So uh, thanks for joining me, and for those of you, cheers for listening. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.